NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here once again with Eric Samolski. Final week of the MLB regular season. Some fantasy leagues already wrapped up, others still going this week. We wish you the best of luck in your respective leagues. One quick programming note here at the top, we'll be doing a special postseason preview episode next Monday. That's the off day before the wild card series gets underway on Tuesday. It's going to be here before we know it. Uh, we'll have a couple of special guests on the show next Monday, but today's show is all about wrapping up the 2023 regular season from a fantasy perspective. Eric, we're going to hand out some awards today. Are you ready? Yes, I love virtual hardware that doesn't exist, um, and we just kind of like make up, and nobody really knows they won anything. It's my favorite type of award show. Yeah, especially for the LVP winners, uh, the opposite yeah. of the MVP. We hope they don't hear about it. You know, we sure. don't want to kick them when they're down. But we're and still sure going to do it publicly. Them, we're going to do I'm it sure publicly. Some of them, some of them know what's <laughs> happening. They, they, they're aware. Yeah. They know the deal. They know they've been bad. Uh, before we get into that, just a quick reminder here, NBA training camp starting. Here's your chance to get Whoa. an assist with your fantasy draft with the Roto-World Basketball Draft Guide. Visit NBCSports.com. Use the promo code HOOPS23 at checkout to score a 20% discount. You also get a $10 e-gift card to Fanatics and free season tools all season long with your draft guide purchase. Lots of great stuff in there. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. This, this is loaded with everything you could possibly need uh, to get your draft, uh, to get the best draft you can. And then we still got a little, little while here before the NBA season starts, but uh, get your prep underway. Go to NBCSports.com today. So, Eric, why don't we start out... In the positive here. Yeah, you got to start positive. Yeah, you know, we'll start positive. And, and this is kind of the most obvious award ever uh, <laughs> for our fantasy MVP. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Ronald Acuna Jr. We're, you know, we're not going to let the drama hang for too long here. So Acuna, two steals away from 70 steals would be the first ever 40-70 season. Uh, is he the first 40-60 too? I believe he is. I believe he I believe he was, yeah. And obviously a lot of that has to do with the new rules, but you, you yeah. don't want to take too much away from the accomplishment. It was a tremendous year. Yeah, 40 homers, 101 RBIs, 68 steals, 143 runs scored in 153 games, also hitting 336. Uh, <laughs> pretty incredible. Still has a few days left to go here. We'll see if he gets to 70 steals. I would guess he will. Uh, maybe... One of the best fantasy seasons of all time. 
Maybe not. I, I, no, probably not a maybe. It's it's like top two I think or it's three. Yeah, I think it <laughs> might definitely be. Um, you know, again, it's really hard to compare previous seasons to current seasons when rule changes and stuff happen. But you know, we don't want to belabor that point because it's been a ridiculous year, and it's just great from a fan perspective. Um, even I'm sure as a Mets fan, just to see him healthy and playing baseball because you sure. know when he hurt his knee, there was always a question of like. What type of player was he going to be when he came back? Um, and it's just great to see that the answer is the same player. Right, exactly. Um, so obvious number one in fantasy drafts next season. I think the only like, you know, arguable best fantasy season of all time would be like Barry Bonds, 2000, early 2000s. But even I was looking at this earlier, even in the years where he walked like a million times, he had less runs scored than Acuna here yeah. in those seasons, which is crazy to think about, but true. Yeah, and he, I mean, he certainly had fewer stolen bases too, which yeah, it was to. like I think his uh, high in those like big power seasons was like twenty nine steals, which is still pretty awesome. That's true. Yeah, true. So I, I think you you gave some love to Matt Olson too, I, which I, I like. I mean, yeah, the answer is Ronald Acuna. I did just say if we weren't going to both talk about the same guy, uh, a little hat tip out there to Matt Olson, um, who finished top five in weighted runs created plus and top five in offensive war. I mean, 53 home runs, 124 runs scored, 133 RBIs, 281 average. Um, I just feel like he doesn't get discussed alongside, you know, Acuna, Betts, Freeman. Um, right. And while he probably doesn't belong in the the tier that Acuna does this year, because I don't think anybody does, I think he belongs in the discussion with Betts and Freeman as that next best hitter this year. Um, and I think he just gets glossed over too often. Yeah, and it, it, probably Olsen was a third rounder in most leagues, maybe maybe fourth, depending. Uh, so certainly outkick the, the ADP, which is always big too. Um, as for least valuable player, I, I picked Tim Anderson. Um, his preseason ADP on Yahoo was 69.2. And here Anderson is 507 plate appearances, just one home run, 590 OPS, 248 batting average this season. It was a 288 career hitter coming into this year. So uh, just completely falling apart at the plate. I don't really know what's going on with, with Tim Anderson, but obviously next year, you know, fringy pick, I would think, in a, in a standard mixly. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot is going to depend on what happens with that White Sox team, the direction that they go in and, and where he winds up and um, all of that stuff. I'm not ready to fully write him off, and I do yeah. kind of think that, like, there might be some interesting buy-low potential there because, you know, he's 30 years old. He still stole 13 bases this year. So, you know, I think he's still a 10 to 15 steal guy. Um, and he was never a huge power hitter. So, like, you just need that batting average to come back up for him to yeah. accrue some fantasy value. Um, but, yeah, he he was – I think he's the obvious choice. Um, I added Jake McCarthy because it was another one ADP, um, you know, relevant where Jake yeah. McCarthy – on average, was being drafted just outside of the top 100 uh, going into the season. He was drafted ahead of, if we're looking at just outfielders, he was drafted ahead of Yelich. Um, he was drafted ahead of uh, Castellanos, Anthony Santander. Um, those are guys that are just like right uh, right around him. And then also drafted ahead of potential 
Cy Young Blake Snell. Um, and this was just all built on an incredibly small sample size of, of last year. And in, you know, he's only played 95 games. He has 26 steals, but he's hitting 240. He has two home run, two home runs with 15 RBIs. You basically drafted Dyron Blanco. Yeah. Um, is almost exactly what you drafted with a pick just outside of top 100. Um, and so I think if you spent that resource, <clears throat> you're hating that you did that. Oh, and I did that uh, in a couple of <laughs> leagues for sure. I think during spring training, I actually said he could be like the poor man's Corbin Carroll. And he's the extremely poor man's Corbin Carroll. He's the destitute Corbin yes. Carroll at this point. So let's go to fantasy Cy Young award winner. And again, I think this is mostly comparing ADP versus production. I think so. Uh, I'm going to Blake Snell. Um, his preseason ADP on Yahoo was 120.6. He had a great second half last year. And, you know, we all know what he's done this year. Yes, the walks are really high. He has 99 walks. Uh, so the whip is a little higher than you'd like, 1.189. But 225 ERA, 234 strikeouts on 180 innings. I think he wins the actual NL Cy Young Award as well. We can debate, you know, deserved DRA, all, all that kind of stuff and secondary numbers. But no, as far as no, none of strict that's... fantasy, it doesn't matter. 225 DRA, I'm get it done for sure. Yes, none of that is relevant to actual, actual fantasy production. Yeah. I went with Zach Eflin, and that was another one where I'm comparing um, ADP. I think Blake Snell is a great choice. You know, Zach Eflin... Uh, was going basically around pick 300. Um, he was picked 274 in NFBC. He was picked two, uh, sorry, 337 in Yahoo. Um, and he delivered so far 172 and two thirds innings of a 344 ERA um, and a 1.03 whip with 182 strikeouts. And he won 15 games um, yeah. for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, this is, I, I think a lot of people thought, oh, the, the Rays spent the most money they've ever spent in the offseason on a player. It was for Zach Eflin, and they are a pitching smart organization. They have a plan. They're going to get a lot out of him. But obviously by that ADP, you still saw people didn't really trust that either Eflin would be healthy enough to play the full season or or just how good they would make him. Um, but, yeah, this is this is a really solid season and um, you got a lot of really quality work out of him from a low ADP. Um, and I'm not only giving him this award because he's my most rostered player in NFBC <laughs> formats, um, because I think my second most rostered player was Tyler O'Neill, who won't be mentioned here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when we talk about LVP earlier, least valuable player, like we don't want to mention the players who are just hurt. You know, like yeah, if you're hurt, it doesn't that seem doesn't... fair. Qualify exactly, exactly. So Tyler Neal has had his issues as well. Um, so going over to the other category of pitchers, fantasy Cy, S I G H, Cy Young. I will take Alec Manoa, and this is someone who's third in the Cy Young Award balloting last season. Had a two two four ERA. I think we knew that that wasn't all real. The the expected ERA was like a run higher, didn't have the huge strikeout rate. So he was a natural fade, but not to the point where you thought he was going to completely fall apart. Right. 59 walks in 79, uh, 59 walks in 87 and a third innings. I didn't see that coming. 587 ERA and 19 starts. Seems like 
There's some arm issues going on as well. Lots of weird stuff going on uh, between his relationship with the organization. So I don't know what the future holds for Manoa, but he was his ADP in Yahoo uh, drafts this spring was 64.1. So he's a very high pick, likely as a number one starter um, on, in many leagues and couldn't be a bigger disappointment. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned the arm troubles. That was super uh, interesting to me, which I found out on the Roto World News blog shift. If you we're still doing MLB news every day, we'll do it in the off season. So keep checking the player news over on Roto World. Um, but he received multiple ejections in his arm. I saw that last week, and it was weird because we didn't hear that early on. We just heard like yeah. he wasn't ready to compete, and we didn't really know what that meant. There's a lot of obvious talk about like his weight, and some of that is fair, yeah. and some of that is unfair. And then right. now we're hearing he received multiple injections, not just one in his pitching arm, and is seeing specialists yeah. to rule out like thoracic outlet syndrome and all this stuff. And you're like, it just kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah. Um, it would make sense, so, though. Certainly. Yeah, and, and I do think that that adds a little bit more credence to like why he was bad this year, but also makes you way more nervous for the future because sure. who knows who knows what's going to come from that. Um, yeah, thoracic and, outlet you know, syndrome. We saw what happened with like Matt Harvey, for example, yeah. was never really the same. So hopefully it's not that outcome. I mean, uh, Steven Strasburg was a similar situation. Right. Yeah, the, the pitcher I gave it to threw 187 innings so far this year, so no injuries to speak of there. But but it's Aaron Nola. Um, you know, this is a guy whose who's average ADP across the main sites uh, was 25 overall this season. Uh, he was 32nd uh, overall in NFBC drafts. He was 26th overall in Yahoo and 18th overall in ESPN. Um, and so far he has pitched to a 457 ERA in 187 innings with his lowest K per nine since 2017. Um, his highest home run per nine ever. Um, and the whip is still fine, 1.17, but that may be the only thing that, and I guess he got 12 wins because he pitches for the Phillies and that's a solid overall, you know, number. But he was just it's, it's almost bad enough that he was just good enough to keep on your roster and keep playing most of the time but it, yeah. he hurt you more often than not like a guy like Manoa you were at least able to move on from at some point I feel like if you check the roster ship rates at most leagues Nola was still as close to 100% rostered as possible um, and just really wasn't giving you much of anything right just very erratic as a fantasy ace in, in recent years you're really not sure what to expect I think some of it might be where he pitches. Uh, the Phillies defense has gotten better uh, this year, strengthened as the year has moved along. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see where he signs this offseason, whether he stays with the Phillies, whether he goes to a better ballpark, better defense behind him. Maybe that helps a little bit. I'm optimistic uh, that he can do better than what he's shown this season. Uh, moving on here to most improved hitter, there's a, there's a lot of great choices here, yeah. uh, but looking strictly from a fantasy perspective, Josh Lowe uh, with the Rays as my pick. Basically, nobody talked about him this spring uh, at all, <laughs> and I can understand that. Last year, hit 221, had a 627 OPS, over 198 clear appearances. I think there were questions about, you know, the Rays are, you know, finicky about lineup, like how much can he play, but 
Here he is, 284, 19 homers, 79 RBIs, 32 stolen bases, and 35 attempts. So um, very good in terms of per percentage caught stealing. 65 runs scored in 131 games. The strikeout rate is significantly lower than last year. It's still a little high, 25%. Uh, but you'll you'll take that with like the speed that he can offer. Certainly, the batting average is improved from last year. Um, the the chase rate is still high, so improved hitter might be a little bit of a misnomer. I think there's still some things he has to work on, but he's only 25 years old. I think there's room for improvement there, and, and across the board fantasy production out of the outfield, which we like. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's improved from a fantasy perspective there are still some flaws in the approach but uh yeah big into josh Lowe. he is the impetus for an award that we'll get to later um and you know he would have been my choice for this as well uh but i went with spencer steer um again a guy who was drafted almost outside of the top 400 in most places coming into this year uh 388 uh adp on um nfbc uh Hit 22 home runs, uh, 71 runs scored, 83 RBIs, 15 stolen bases while hitting 270 um, for the Reds, playing multiple positions. Um, this is a guy who I think was an afterthought because uh, most people weren't really, on one hand, aware that he had done pretty well um, in the minor leagues last year yeah. before getting a brief call up. But there were just so many other prospects on the Reds who were more enticing. Sure. Um you know, Steer has done, has been really, really solid. Um, you know, 10% walk rate, 20% strikeout rate. He controls the strike zone really well. He never even had a minor league season where he stole more than eight bases. So him stealing 15 here, um, I think, kind of caught people by surprise. Um, but going forward, you know, there's a realistic possibility that he's a 25-15 guy who can hit 270 280 um if he stays in that park that's yeah I, I think they they have shown they want to keep him in the lineup even if that means moving him around places uh and i just think you know he came out of nowhere to be just a really reliable fantasy asset throughout the whole season yeah i think the reds have some interesting decisions to make in terms of which position players they keep and where they play them i think tj friedel is like another uh good choice here He's really come out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know if the power is for real with Friedel. You know, you look at things like barrel percentage and average exit velocity. He doesn't mark out particularly well there, but he makes contact, has speed, really fits into the identity of that Reds team. Mm -hmm. They're super aggressive. Like you said with Steer, like didn't have a double-digit uh, steal season in the minors, but the Reds, like that's their style of play to be super aggressive. So that's a right. big part of what has made him successful this year. In fantasy and real life, for that matter. Uh, most improved pitcher, I'm picking Kyle Bradish, who had some hype during spring training. We all remember that. So he was drafted in quite a few leagues, but still pretty late. 246.8 ADP uh, in preseason Yahoo drafts. Bradish had a 490 ERA over 23 starts as a rookie. Uh, here he is with an ERA almost two full runs lower, 301 ERA over 28 starts. About a strikeout per inning with good control. Really the ace of that Orioles staff as they look ahead to, to a potential uh, long postseason run here, Bradish. Uh, for so long we said, like, the Bradish rather, that the Orioles needed to add an ace during the offseason. Well, they, they did, it turns out. They did. 
they had yeah uh, and this is i mean this is one example of the you know i don't want to say the fantasy community because it's a big community with lots of opinions but he was a very popular sleeper going into the year uh i'm not sure the people that wrote about him in the preseason myself included expected this um but you know sometimes sometimes the early hype actually is correct um and right. in the case of bradish it, it was yeah, you know, it's. I think for a long time you would hear. I'm talking like ten years ago. You would hear about pitchers who are working on a new pitch during spring training, and then like maybe they'd use it in a game like once, and then they once. wouldn't yeah, actually yeah. use it like when the real games start. But now when you hear that stuff during spring training, you you gotta pay attention because often these little tweaks can take a pitcher to the next level, and players are a lot more open to making these changes. Yeah, I mean, I hope you pay attention because I write an entire series about those exact changes. So yes. if you're not paying attention, uh, I'm just wasting my time. And wait until um, spring training. That's going to be a very, very long column. Yeah, it it usually is very long, and you also don't like get Statcast data, and it's hard yes. to see if the pitch is any good visually. So right. it's a it's a mess. Uh, but we love doing it. Um, right. So my choice for. Um, my choice for most improved pitcher was I went to the reliever side. I went with Adbert Alzale. Um, this is a guy with only one real major league season of work prior to this um, in 2021 when he was primarily a starter for 125 super mediocre innings. Um, and he flashed last year in 13 innings out of the bullpen, but it was just 13 innings and you know I'm not sure people really knew what to expect. Michael Fulmer came into this year as the like – Oh, he's the you know converted starter who's going to be the closer in Chicago, and everybody was hyping up Fulmer, and it was really Alzale who who shined throughout the whole year. Uh, Two seventy one ERA across sixty three innings pitched, sixty six strikeouts, um, a one point zero two WHIP. He saved twenty two games despite not really taking over the closer role until if I had to go back and look, I would assume it was probably like late May, early June yeah. when he kind of assumed the the role. Um, and I just think you feel really good about him heading into 2024 drafts on a Cubs team that should, you know, contend again for the playoffs. And I think that, you know, this is a 28 year old who his stuff really plays up in the bullpen. And I, I think, you know, th he's a, a really good, solid reliever that has pushed himself into that like tier two, three ish range of closers, maybe tier right. three range of closers. For sure. For sure. I did get a couple shares of, of Alzale in the spring as a, as a, do we still say handcuff, but as a backup sure. plan for, for Michael Fulmer, who I also drafted pretty much everywhere. And that didn't work. Um, up next, the Icarus award. And that was, that was your idea, Eric player who flew too high to the sun and then crashed. My choice is maybe controversial, maybe not, but Ellie De La Cruz, who when he came up, of course, was a dynamo, and you could you could understand why. I don't think even now that's diminished really. When he runs, like you wanna when he's hitting, you wanna watch. Unfortunately, recently he just hasn't been hitting at all. Uh, came out of the gate strong, had eleven homers, twenty steals <coughs> over his first sixty-five games, two fifty-seven batting average, which you know, you'll take, but last 28 games where he's been in and out of the lineup, he's hit just 157, zero home runs, 446, 445 OPS, 39 strikeouts, and 117 plate appearances in that time. To me, it's like comparable to O'Neill Cruz 
where you mm -hmm. see like the stat cast darling type stuff can take over a game in certain situations, but has flaws in the approach that definitely need to be improved going into next year. I still think De La Cruz should be picked high based off of what he could do counting stats wise, yeah. but there's a lot of work to be done here. Yeah. And there, there were a lot of people um, in the prospect community on, on Twitter who suggested this might happen. Um, yep. And I think that we have a tendency to just like hope for the best with these young prospects when they get called up and want to see the best case scenario. And early on he showed that. Uh, and so I think it, was easy for people to victory lap after like one or two weeks. Um, and again, this is not us saying like Ellie De La Cruz is a, is a bad player. This is yeah. just saying that jump to the major leagues is, is a tough one. Um, and there are some flaws that he has to work out and I'm sure he will do everything in this offseason to work those out. And you really do want to bet on talent with players like that. But um, that early flash in the pan turned out to be exactly that. Right. Um, my choice feels like uh, kick a, a, a fan down, you know, kick a fan when yeah. they're down with the Pirates fans. They really don't right. get much, um, especially uh, my my boy over at Rotoballer Thunder, Dan Palio, who um, is a huge Pirates fan and was so happy about Mitch Keller in the first half of the season. Um, even I give him a lot of I give him a lot of uh, flack for ruining Mitch Keller's season because he made a comment early on that should Mitch Keller be in consideration for the Cy Young. And it almost mm. felt like things went downhill immediately after that tweet. <laughs> um, but Keller had a 331 ERA in the first 117 innings in the first half of the year. Um, looked, looked really good actually. And there looked to be like pitch mix changes that were backing up a lot of the, the success. So it, it didn't seem like a fluke. Um, but through 71 in the third innings in the second half, he has a 580 ERA, um, he his strikeout rate is down to you know twenty three point five percent. He has a one point four nine WHIP. Uh, he's allowing almost forty percent hard contact. Uh, it just it hasn't been great. Um, I, you know, I, I want to say with for a twenty seven year old that the truth may lie somewhere in the middle, um, yeah. and that he may actually settle in to be like a high three, low four ERA pitcher with with this improved strikeout stuff, you know, improved over his first few years. Um, and that could still be fantasy viable, but I, I think the former top prospect figures it out and comes back to light the world on fire narrative, um, you know, is not the narrative that he's going to write. So in terms of like his pitch mix this year, did, did he change his usage over the course of the year? Or do you think like the league adjusted to this, kind of newer version of Keller and now he needs to adjust again. Is it that simple? I think I do. I really do honestly think it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think, you know, there's a book, obviously the books come out on, on pitchers who are doing different things. Um, and the off the offenses can, you know, adjust to that. The cutter was just a really, really good pitch for him in the first half of the year, and he he lost it in the second half um, in terms of the results against it, right? So um, he had an 11.8% swinging strike rate on the cutter in the first half and 13.7% in the second half, which seems great. But the pitch had a 2.49 defense independent ERA, which is a stat that tells us what the ERA on a pitch should be regardless of what the defense does. And again, it's not a, a perfect um, 
you know, way to determine success, but it tells us a little bit about how good the pitch itself is. So he had a 249 DERA in the first half of the year on the cutter and a 781 um, in the second half of the year. And he's, but the, the mix itself didn't really change. I mean, his, he was throwing all of these pitches around the exact same. The four seam got hit a little harder and was a little slower as the year went on. It like dropped about a mile per hour. So maybe that was part of the reason. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe he needs to go back and, and look at that cutter, which was a new pitch for him and really kind of see where it went wrong midway through the year. And, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some movement on it that changed just as he kept throwing it more and more, maybe, maybe it was intentional and it didn't work. We don't really know, but I think him going back to the drawing board on that pitch and, and trying to iron out some of the wrinkles will be a huge uh, help for him because it was really the only pitch that was markedly worse in the second half. Uh, his stuff ticked down a little bit across the board, but that was the only pitch where you were like, oh, this this did not work. Sure, sure. Uh, we have a few more awards to give out before we do that. Do you have what it takes to lead the team to victory? Select your Ryder Cup fantasy team and play with your friends. Visit gamezone.ridercup.com to learn more and watch the Ryder Cup on NBC, USA, and Peacock this Friday through Sunday. We have a few more and kind of fits in a similar uh, category as the last one we were talking about, Mitch Keller. Mr. Enigma, player who should have better results than they showed. Uh, my pick is Joe Ryan, um, 4-3-1 ERA in 28 starts this season. He kind of crashed in a similar way uh, to Mitch Keller, came out of the gate really, really strong. And then his fade in the second half, there's some injury stuff in there. Had a groin strain where he missed some time, hasn't been that. It's kind of been up and down since returning. So 4-3-1 ERA. The XERA is a full run lower at 3.41. You look at the peripherals, they're outstanding. Uh, I'm just using K per nine and walks per nine to give you some context here. 10.97 K per nine, 1.90 Walks per nine. I know that's not those are perfect stats as far as rate stats, but anytime you see that, you're like, oh, that's pretty, pretty good, pretty impressive. He's someone who I think could benefit with a tweak of his pitch mix. Lance Brozdowski, who is great on Twitter, he has a newsletter you can subscribe to every day. He breaks down, um, you know, pitches and movement and uh, pitch mixes and all that stuff. Recently suggested that Brian should throw less four-seamers and more splitters. Uh, so Ryan seems like one of those guys in the offseason, you know, when he reports to spring training, where he's at, what he's working on, watch that really closely uh, because I think he could unlock another level of performance in 2024. Agreed. Yeah, and Minnesota showed with pretty much most of their entire staff that they're willing to kind of tinker with and develop, um, you know, Tinker with the arsenal, develop some pitches. So I, I like that call. Um, mine was, I went back and forth on a few players, but but mine is Spencer Torkelson. Um, he really came on in the second half of the year, which is why I wasn't sure I wanted to pick him because, you know, he now has 29 home runs on the season um, with 17 of them coming in the second half um, in just 66 games. But the reason I picked him is that the batting average never ticked up for him. Yeah. So despite the fact that, you know, in the second half of the year, he's still barreling the ball incredibly well, um, you know, still striking out around 26% of the time, walking 10% of the time, 
Um, he's hitting 236 in the second half of the year. This is a guy who struck out just 27%, 25, sorry, percent of the time during the year, barreled the ball 14% of the time, right at the launch angle that we want, you know, didn't have a really high swinging strike rate, has a good understanding of the strike zone. Everything seems to suggest like at least a 250, 260 type hitter. Um, yep. In fact, his expected batting average is 251. Um, and the batting average never got there. And some of it could be home, his home park, right? It is a pitcher-friendly home park, and that could be robbing him of some hits. But uh, I I still believe he'll get there. Um, and I think there's another level there for, for Torkelson, not just with the power, which we're seeing, but I think we could see a 20-30% batting average boost based on just the type of hitter that he is and the discipline and quality of contact he has out. Totally agree. I think he's going to be one of my targets in the spring for sure um and if he can get that batting average a bit higher of course that helps everything it helps rbis it helps run scored all that good stuff uh mr pumpkin is our next award here which is the uh, early this is our october award <laughs> yeah exactly our early pick for 2024 disappointment uh i picked lane thomas who i picked on a little bit a few weeks ago but uh, he stands out to me, and, and the main reason for this is the production that he's had this year has been weighted heavily by what he's done against left-handed pitching. 326 batting average, nine home runs and 175 at-bats, 936 OPS. The numbers against righties are not awful, but if he can't duplicate what he did against lefties this year in 2024 with a strikeout rate that's pretty high, especially against righties, it's near 30%. I just don't see see him putting up a comparable season. Yeah, I, I think you know we've we've talked about him a, a few times on this show, um, and we're we're seeing him struggle at the end of this year. So I, yeah. I think that makes total sense. Um, my pick is not somebody who's struggling at the end of the year, and that's why I picked Michael King. Um, and the reason I picked Michael King is I just really worry. Um, and it, I will say it depends on where he goes next year. It depends on yeah. how crazy people get because of this late season run as a starter. There's a lot of talk on Twitter of people just wondering whether he's like the next Kyle Bradish. Is he the next breakout? Is he a fantasy ace? Um, yeah. And if that is how he gets drafted, then I think he's going to disappoint. Um, part of it is natural regression. I mean, <clears throat> he has a 178 ERA over 30 and a third innings since being moved to the starting rotation. He struck out 45 batters and he's walked just four, which is absolutely ridiculous. And he's mm -hmm. doing it against good pitching. Uh, the stuff plus metrics on fan graphs, love all of his pitches, but there are just some things under the hood that, you know, worry me a little bit. Um, so first of all, he has a, a 381 defense independent ERA in September uh, so that's obviously much higher than his 178 actual ERA. Also, you know, the, the slider, the sweeper, sorry, has been great. And Fangraphs loves it based on its stuff plus metric. Uh, but it, it's actually had a worse swinging strike rate um, since going since he moved into uh, the rotation. He himself has allowed an 11 percent barrel rate as a starter. Um, his swinging strike rate as a starter is 12%, which is fine, but not great. And he has never thrown over 60 innings yeah, in any season. Um, he's now thrown 94, so he'll get up over 100. But 
I, I just, I worry about a guy who has never been a starter. Now you're going to think he's a starter and he's going to throw 150 and give you like this kind of production. I just, I don't know yeah. that it will hold up for a full year. So I would love him if you, if he comes into the year as a starter and you could draft him at the back of your fantasy rotation, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to work for you if he needs to be at the front of your rotation. Right. And he's, you know, he could start strong, but then as he gets into kind of uncharted territory, he could hit a wall and, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, interesting pick. Mr. Comeback is our next category. I picked Tarek Skubal here. Uh, and really, this could be a player coming back from injury. It could be a player who struggled as a rookie and is uh, perking up a bit. But Skubal coming back from flexor tendon surgery, he's been amazing. 295 ERA. 94 strikeouts, just 14 walks in 76 and a third innings over his 14 starts. The velocity is ticked up. The changeup has been a real weapon as a swing and miss pitch, really checking all the boxes to take that next step forward as a, as a potential fantasy ace. Will he be drafted that way? Probably not. I think probably inside the top 30 starters, most likely. So that's pretty reasonable for me. I wonder what you're thinking about that. Yeah, no, he. I, I think he's a logical choice if you're taking the you know injury and comeback approach. Um, I've always been really intrigued by by Scooble. Um, I felt like he had a problem controlling his secondary pitches earlier on, um, and we've just seen real growth from him in not only rounding out the arsenal but also in just like attacking the zone. Um, and so I'm certainly high on him going into next year. Obviously, depending on where he goes, I still think he's going to pitch for probably a poor team. I mean, the Tigers have some intriguing young players, but, you know, it's always a little hard to roster pitches in fantasy who you just know are going to struggle to get wins. Um, so, again, we'll see how that goes. As you mentioned, I took a different approach for a comeback player and looked at a player who basically had just been kind of like forgotten and totally written off. Um, and I chose CJ Abrams. Uh, and I think that last year, you know, he was a, a top prospect who was traded from the Padres to the Nationals. He debuted um, with the Padres as a 21-year-old uh, and did not play particularly well and was traded to the Nationals and closed out the year for them, but didn't really give you much uh, in the way of fantasy usefulness. And a lot of people just like totally soured on him, forgetting that, you know, he was 21 years old. Um, and there was obvious growth that was going to happen. And so even though he's only he hit 247 this season, um, he had 18 home runs. He had 43 stolen bases, uh, 81 runs scored, 63 RBIs. He struck out under 20% of the time. He had only struck out 16% of the time last year as a, as a 21-year-old, which I think should have told us there was more to come there. Sure. 11 of his 18 home runs have come in the 66 games in the second half of the season. So, you know, he's a legitimate 2040 player yeah. with the potential upside for more because next year he's only going to be 23 years old. Um, and so if he's 2040 with a 250 batting average and the potential for more, I, I don't know that enough people had that in their range of outcomes coming into this year. Yeah, and this is a good segue into our next award, the one year early award and maybe you were early on cj abrams last year he, he cashed this year uh for me this was the the josh yeah. low honorary award yeah. where i had him everywhere last year and then i was like i can't do it this year the rays aren't gonna play him and yeah yeah they, they did 
So Brett Beatty is my pick for this. Uh, big expectations when he came up from the minors. Did nothing but hit in the minors, so he certainly was deserving of, it, of a chance. But uh, this year's hit just 215, 610 OPS, and 367 plate appearances. Strikeout rate near 30%. Uh, has hit just 165 against Southpaws, but the the underlying thing you have to know about Beatty, he, he hits the ball extremely hard. Uh, since coming back to the majors, he's hit a, a few home runs, actually. I think he's hit three. Two of them over 110 miles per hour, both of them over 432 feet. This is someone who has legit power. I think uh, there was actually a good breakdown recently, Todd Zeal, who uh, does the Mets games on SNY kind of saying how Beatty's more of a natural opposite field hitter and kind of switching more to a pull hitter. So I think the big question for him going into next year is like, who is he as a hitter? Right. And what do the Mets, do they embrace who he is as a natural op- opposite field hitter with, with power to all fields? Or is he going to commit to being a pull hitter? So I think it's going to be interesting to watch to see where this goes going into next year. And yeah, while well, he hits the ball hard, the fly ball rate was pretty low this year. So I think there's a lot for him to figure out as a hitter, but the talent is there, and I think it has a chance to cash next year, depending on how things work out. Yeah, hopefully the Mets play him um, would yeah. be would be one. Yeah, uh, mine was Reed Detmers, who I've been bought on in on the last two years, um, and it, I guess it hasn't really worked out for me um, either year. Uh, this year he showed flashes really early on, but it has settled into a 4.64 ERA and 141 and two thirds innings. Um, he did see a bump to a, a 26.2% strikeout rate, which was was pretty solid. 1.36 WHIP. Uh, we don't love. The reason why I'm now talking myself into buying back in is that, as I wrote about this Monday in my pitch mix column, mixing it up, which you can find over on NBC Sports and Roto World. Um, he reintroduced his changeup at the end of uh, uh, August, and he's now throwing his changeup 21% of the time in September. It's his second most used pitch. And Reed Detmers has um, a 2.04 ERA across 17 innings in September. Um, the changeup is not a big swing and miss pitch, so his strikeout rates have ticked down a little bit, but it's good at inducing soft contact. Um, and so I think that, you know, we kind of always felt like Detmers was a slider guy with a decent fastball and didn't have much else. Um, and so if he actually rounds out that arsenal and can be a fastball slider and changeup pitcher next year, um, then I'm, I'm willing to buy back in because, you know, I, I think he is still a talented pitcher who's only 24 years old. So there's right. no reason why, you know, we can't see growth and, and improvement. Right. It feels like Detmers has been around for a long time, which not a long time, but a, a couple of years, which he has. But he's still yeah. super young, a lot to learn for sure. Uh, last award, best late season shooting star. So maybe someone who wasn't around all season or maybe was hurt for a bit or maybe struggled, but has really turned it on down the stretch. My pick is Royce Lewis with the Twins. He's sidelined with a hamstring injury right now, hopefully back for the postseason, but He's been outstanding coming back from knee surgery. 59 games. He's at 309, 15 home runs, 52 RBIs, six steals, 36 runs scored. Uh, hit four grand slams in the space of 18 games. So if you had him down the stretch here, he probably helped win your league. Former number one overall pick of the Twins. Uh, has always had the talent. It's just been a matter of him staying healthy, staying on the field. So 
Uh, I think big, big things ahead for Royce Lewis. I think he was selected in the recent six-round uh, mock draft I did for Tout Wars. So it's telling you where we expect to see him next year. So my, my choice is somebody who I told people that they should cut uh, back at the beginning of August, um, which was Seiya Suzuki, because there were no results to match his hard hit rates, and he was actually losing playing time to Mike Talkman, and it just seemed like it would never happen. Um, and he responded and has been absolutely on fire in the month of September. He's hitting 375 through 23 games with seven home runs, 22 RBIs. Um, he has just a 17% strikeout rate and a 10% walk rate. And he has been tremendous. Um, and again, like he was coming from an international league coming over and we thought he would break out this year and, and maybe yeah. he's now just kind of getting it together at the end of the year. So, you know, I, I think you might be buying in on Suzuki next year, uh, but he's been yeah. great. And then I wanted to sneak in a second one because I, I think that more people should be talking about Nelson Velasquez who was on the Cubs and was traded to the Royals in 19 games in September uh, he's hitting 258 with nine home runs um, and 19 RBIs, 15 runs scored. He has more strikeout issues um, than Suzuki, but this is a guy who, if he's going to start every day for the Royals next year, has legitimate power. Um, and he may wind up just being like a 240 hitter, but I think you're going to get a decent amount of power there. Um, so he's been really good in that yeah. power category to end the season. One thing about Suzuki, remember, there was a lot of hype about him in the spring because he added like 20 pounds of muscle. Then during spring training, he strained his oblique and started the season on the IL. Yeah. Sometimes those oblique issues can linger for quite a bit. I do wonder if that was part of his struggles in the early part of the season, and now he's feeling good. And that what we were excited about all spring and where the results weren't there, but you could see he was hitting the ball extremely hard it's finally paying off for him in September. So keep that in mind too. Yeah, I, th I think that's definitely the case. Also, it's just sometimes your patience wears out, right? Like we loved the barrel rate. You loved yeah. a lot of the stuff you were seeing under the hood, but it was August and it hadn't led to results. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'll speak personally, like I just, I couldn't wait any longer in some leagues. And sometimes that's the case and, and it just – the stuff under the hood doesn't lead to actual surface level results until much later than you want it to. Um, but the fact that this, there was always those that that stuff under the hood and then he eventually got to the results, I think that should make us optimistic heading into next year. Absolutely. So hopefully we gave you guys some stuff to think about, about the season we just saw. And going into 2024, it's never too early to start thinking about where maybe you're going to place some of these guys. Uh, going into drafts next year. So again, best of luck this week if you're finishing out your fantasy leagues. We'll see you back next Monday. We're going to do a postseason preview podcast episode of Circling the Basis, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Check out the Ritter World Football Show with... Uh, fantasy football well underway we're three weeks into the season some interesting wafer wire pickups out there as always so listen to the latest episode of the riddle football show also follow us on twitter or x if you don't already eric is at samski nyc i'm at dj short take care everyone we will see you